Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Yes, hello. Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. Indeed, with your hosts, Courtney and Matt. Yes. I'm not Courtney. I'm Matt. <laughs> Welcome back to season four. Season four, colon, random shit. Season four. Continues. Yes, season four rolls on, Courtney. And this episode, we are going to discuss the traits of successful and unsuccessful PT clients. Yes, we are. So this is... Been, this is the culmination of between you and I together now, 16 years worth of experience working directly with people, mm-hmm. but also from, especially in my personal case, uh, many, many, many discussions with other trainers about clients. So this will relate to whether you're seeing your PT in the gym whether you're working with them remotely online or a combination of both, the, the traits are all the same. Yeah? Yeah. So we want to start by saying that success, as we say, does leave clues, but failure also leaves clues, legitimate failure, mm. and struggles leave clues as well. It's, everything's giving data yes. to, to what's going on. So when you have enough experience under your belt, you start to see patterns of where things go right and where things go wrong. And I think there's also going to be some pretty good insight here, Courtney, with yourself because you've been a PT client, Hmm. haven't you? Yes. Well, you have as well to a certain point. No, I definitely have. Uh, So I shouldn't leave myself out of this. No. (laughs) Um, we're, we're, We're both in this. So I just want to say that now this this episode honestly is as much something we're recording for our own clients as it is for you listening because it is so critically important that when a trainer or a coach works with someone that they give them it's our responsibility to give them every chance possible to succeed but then it's their responsibility to pick up the ball and run with it yes yeah so we've got a bit of a list to work through here of you know the, the, the successful and unsuccessful traits. So let's just rip straight in. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Sounds good. All right. So just so we know what the, what the agenda is here, I will do the reading of the points. And then, Courtney, jump in. Let's talk about this. Sounds like a plan. So the first trait of a successful PT client is that they are open to learning and changing and being coached. By that, the word I'm using here or looking for here is they are coachable because mm. that is indeed a skill. It is, yeah. A real skill and it's one that we don't always have up front, but it's one that needs to be developed. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's really – it's an essential skill because nothing else is going to matter – Unless that's there. Okay. That's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I, I mean, it's cliche to say, like, this is this is the essential part. Um, but there's so many other things that feed off being coachable. Like, unless you're open, because by being coachable, you're you're by default being open to be adaptable, but be be open to change, open to feedback, be open to feedback. Yeah. So it it opens it up to to all these other s- sort of comments. So it it really is essential because if you're not open to be coachable, that means that you're going to be defensive. Mm. You're going to be um, you're going to push back on feedback. You're going to be less likely to develop new habits. It kind of shuts the whole thing down from the outset. Yeah, doesn't it? It does. Really? So that is the first successful and essential necessary trait because the, the way I personally explain it to people is like you, you don't sign up with a trainer or a coach to go nowhere and do nothing. Like that's not what sort of inspires you to, you know, have the, the courage to ask for help. Mm. You know, it's a pretty big step to be able to ask for help. Like it takes a level of vulnerability uh, even though some people might say it's weakness, it's actually strength. Mm-hmm. But you've then got to follow that up yeah. by following through. And also I think part of being coachable is understanding that if you're working with a a trainer or a coach who's telling you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear, there's no one's got any fucking chance. Mm. That's just not how it's supposed to work. But in saying that, if you are working with a trainer that tells you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. You've got to understand it's not personal. Mm. It's not a dig at you. It's all about, hey, you've got these goals. It's, you know, our job to hold you to the standards you want to be, you want to, you know, build yourself up to. And all the feedback you get, be it um, positive or negative, I'll use simple terms there, it's all in service of what you want to achieve. So the there is a, we use the word cliche just before Courtney, attitude determines altitude, mm. and it starts with the attitude of being coachable in the name of improvement. The real good ones have that, and they tend to spread their wings, so yeah. to speak. I mean, and it's also you you alluded to it before. It's a, it's a it's a comfort zone thing as well. Mm. So it's it's about as you said, you're going to get feedback sometimes that you don't want. You're going to hear things that you don't want to hear, but you need to hear them. Yeah. And then that that in itself, just p- putting yourself in that situation where you can you can um, receive good feedback, um, that is uncomfortable. But then also being able to implement it um, and go, yeah, the whole thing is is just really essential. And as you you said before, unless you go into it with that mind, the right mindset, then you may as well not start. And you've also got to understand as well, if you start working with someone, or in the case of us, someones, and you're out of shape and you're unhappy, you not you don't like where you are, and the feedback you're getting is, oh yeah, you're doing great, keep doing what you're doing. Like, how's that fucking helping? Yeah. Because if you were doing great, like you wouldn't be where you are, mm. you know. Uh, so that's the first one. We'll move on to the second one, Courtney. They strive to embrace the process laid out, no matter how long it takes to embrace that process. Mm. So I want to start by saying, 
the worst thing a trainer can do with their client is just wing it and hope for the best. So we, we've spoken a lot on this podcast about people winging it, be it in the gym with their, with their workouts or in the kitchen with, with haphazard planning and preparation. It's just as dangerous the other way when the trainers are just winging it and hope for the best, mate. Mm. Oh, this week we'll do this and this week we'll do that. And then the next week, oh, well, hey, just so you know, I've started doing keto, so you're going to do keto now too. Like, please. Mm. When there's a process in place and it's a process that has been proven to work and it's laid out for a client, you've got to understand that they're not going to embrace it necessarily straight away. It does take time, but there has to be that effort to build up to it. You're talking from the from the client point of view? Yes. See, I disagree. I think Let's that go. I think that most clients when they're seeking a personal trainer, they're seeking them because they like the process that they're seeing. They like their style. So that's why they're choosing them. So I, I actually think most clients embrace it to start off with. It's just sustaining that. That's hard. Mm-hmm. So most most clients, I think, go into a process where they've they've done a bit of research on on their PT. So they've either seen their social media pages, they've seen maybe a website, they've they've seen, they've spoken to other clients, testimonials, things like that. Or listen to their podcast. Or listen to their podcast. So they're going into it with a fairly good, relatively good understanding of what their methodology is or what it's going to be. And they seem to like that. They're gravitating some way to that person, whether it's a personality thing, whether it's whatever. So I think most of the time, sometimes clients don't do their that sort of research and it can bite them in the butt and they don't then embrace the process. But most of the time I feel like people go into it knowing what the process is going to be and it's that honeymoon period at the start where it's like, yeah, I can do this. But then you realise over time that it's not easy, that it's going to take a, a lot more time than you want it to, that you're not seeing maybe the pro- progress that you want straight away and that's the time where I think that that people, clients can can start to to really waver, and they really need to keep that embrace of the process. I'll slightly disagree with your disagreement on on this one thing. You are what you said is correct, but that then implies that every single client puts in the same effort and doesn't have roadblocks for whatever reason, to prevent them from embracing what a process is. So I give we use us as an example. So someone comes to us and we accept them in. We keep it as simple as possible because, you know, it's a little too easy to try too hard and overwhelm yourself. So it's like, righto, the fundamentals that we want you to work towards are consistency with your training, with your meal planning and preparation, and with your accountability. Now, you, we can't say that everyone goes after those with the same mindset because it's just not true. Some will, some won't. Some will pick and choose. Mm. Some will be like, oh, well, I'm really, really good at the training, but I kind of wing it and haven't done jack shit yet with meal planning and preparation. Or they're consistent in the kitchen and they're consistent in the gym, but they pay no real attention to the accountability side of things, so you can't progress them. Now, people do approach that differently, 
And for everyone has, people have individual reasons or roadblocks that might prevent that. Might be some sort of fees or trepidation or like that's a different can of worms unto itself. But the ones that have the success are the ones that will strive to embrace all aspects yes. of what they're asked to do. and But also understanding that people get good at this process, and we'll talk about our process in this particular case, people get good at it over time. The time is, is depending on the individual and how they approach it, but you have to be aiming to build up to it. Because the thing is, if you haven't got the fundamentals in place, how can you progress anything? Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, so... I think we're both right because fuck, we're good. No, I do agree with you though. It is about embracing all aspects. We should probably just rephrase it in saying embracing all aspects of the process Yep. because you're right. There are going to be parts of the process that people don't like as much as other parts. Oh, that's normal, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're, we're no different to that. We're the same. I mean, how much you... This My ma- love of exercise is say, really highly I was, documented. I was, was going to say, newsflash, Courtney does not like exercise but also newsflash, Matt does not enjoy grocery shopping and cooking in the kitchen. No. But we do both anyway, don't we? Yes. So, the, yeah, I do agree with you. There's definitely going to be aspects of the process that people will and will not like and will and will not gravitate to. And and as human beings, we will try to just ignore the things that we don't like and focus on the things that we do like. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I totally agree well, how with you. Often, how often have you heard the line, oh, I'm really good with exercise, but I'm, and I'll quote this one, I'm shit with my food. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, you had a dollar for every time you heard that, like you'd be rich. Yeah. Very well rich. So no, I do I do definitely agree with you. It's it's it's, it's striving to embrace all aspects yeah, of the process. Yeah, n- not picking and choosing. Yes. Okay, the next one. They're honest and vulnerable enough to ask questions. Mm. Here's the thing. The, the most silly, the silliest question is the one you don't ask mm-hmm. because then you haven't got a chance of improving. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, again, like I said at the start, a few of these are going to really relate back to the first one, which is being coachable. Yeah. And this is one of the ones that is going to relate very much back to being coachable. You have to ask questions and you have yeah. to be, and as, as we put it here, you have to be honest and vulnerable enough to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And that's because how many times I'd be a millionaire if I heard the phrase, oh, this might be a stupid question, but... but yeah. I don't know how many times I've got to tell people it's not a stupid question because if you don't know the answer, then it's not. How can it be a stupid question? Yeah. So, it's it's the only stupid questions really are the questions you already know the answer of, and mm. you're just looking for a different response. Well said. That is literally the only time you can ask a stupid question. There, there is, there there is a skill to asking questions. I'll say that I always respect clients who are willing to ask questions and be inquisitive because I'm the exact same. Yes. Like I want to know the why behind fucking everything because then I'll, I'll invest sort of mentally and emotionally more into what I'm doing. But there is definitely a skill in asking questions and I really like it when clients ask questions and the reason I like that more than anything is because it gives you insight into what's going on in their head. Mm. Questions give people a way about what they're thinking, where they're at, their, their mind space or their head space. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I just like and respect it when people have a, an interest in learning yes. and improving. And I think it's a really important trait. The next one, 
they're also honest and vulnerable enough to own their shit. So what do I mean by own their shit? Well, you know, mistakes, flaws, bad habits. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, again, coachable. So you have to be, you have to take the good with the bad. So this is where taking feedback is really essential. So you have to be able to be open and vulnerable enough. And and I've spoken about it in the past where, in my experience, holding on to mistakes, holding on to bad habits, holding on to flaws, it just drags you backwards. So in in my experience, and this is what I've taught clients over the years, that unless you can own up to it and you can say, yeah, I did this wrong, then you're not going to be able to properly move forward because what you're doing is not only are you not owning up to your coach about or your PT or, or whoever about what you've done or the mistake you've made or the mm. bad habit that you've slipped back into, yep. you're also not owning it to yourself. So by not by not telling anyone, you're trying to keep it a secret and then it just stays with you. And it's not helpful. Or festers. It festers and, yeah. it, and it drags you backwards because then that can lead into other bad areas like emotional eating and self-sabotage. So I think that um, with this one, it, it's it's so important, so important because as we speak about all the time, you're going to make mistakes. To me, if you don't make mistakes, it's because there's no effort. Yeah. Effort brings about mistakes. From there, it'll it'll dictate where you go in terms of, you know, do you learn from your mistakes, which is what they're there for, or do you repeat them? Mm. So this is another way, this this point's another way of saying they take responsibility and they accept responsibility, yeah. both good and bad. Yeah. Yep. Because you always, wherever you are, is the result of your choices and your habits, for better or for worse. And I've I tend to find that the more you're willing to own your bad habits and your bad choices, the easier it is to let go of them and move on and replace them. Uh, yeah, with, absolutely. With more positive ones. Absolutely. Would you... Say 100%? Yes. Oh, 100%. Um, the other thing... Oh, now you've distracted me. I was going to have something good to say on that. So good you've forgotten. Yep. Oh, the, the, the last thing I was going to say on that one yep. was that unless you are honest and vulnerable enough to own what you've done, you, you can't ask then for help. Like you can't yeah. expect help. Yeah. Because a coach or a PT or whoever, a support system, mm. unless people know what's going wrong, they can't help you. So you can't sit there yeah. and then complain that you're not getting help if you don't tell anyone what you need help with. Well, we can't help solve a problem if we don't know it's there. No. So, yeah, the, the good ones accept responsibility. And the good... Because the good coaches and PTs, they mm. won't come searching for that, and you have to know that as a client, they're Great not going to come. Point. They're not going to come searching for your mistakes and what's wrong. Um, no, that's not that's not what good coaches and PTs do. You have to take responsibility and be vulnerable and honest enough to go to your coach and say, "Hey, I fucked up. I'm struggling with this. Or, Can or you help me?" On the on the flip side of that is also to say. Because sometimes it could be easy to fall into a negative mindset and think, oh, I'm, I'm fucking everything up. I'm doing everything wrong. Yeah. Actually, you know what? You're probably not. Do you have the maturity to look at things and go, you know what? I might struggle over here in this section, but on this side, I'm making some really good improvements. Like, 
And that's well, the wow. honest that's the honest style conversation that you have to have mm. to be able then to come up with a plan of attack and a process to move forward. Yep. Love it. All right. The next one, the next trait of successful PT clients is they constantly seek improvement. Mm. This is a big one. Yeah. This is a big one because you can fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, my goal is to lose X amount of kilos or X amount of dress sizes. And then after that, well, there's no after that. Mm. It's apparently, apparently it's you live happily ever after. Here on earth, it's a bit different. But with, with improvement, we talk about peaks and valleys. Mm. So with peaks and valleys, you take 99% of people, when they're at their best, their best is more than good enough. Mm. No, most people's bests actually don't need to be improved. What needs to be improved is their valleys mm. or when they're not at their best. Because this is where a lot of people will struggle is that when they, I suppose, come down off the peak because you can't sustain it forever. When you come down off the peak, people come down so hard, it becomes self-destructive and becomes self-sabotage. Mm. The good ones look at their valleys and attempt to raise them. So another way, another way of saying this is the bottom line. Mm. Their bottom line improves. So their minimum effort and their minimum output gets better and more consistent. That has a bigger impact on someone's progress than how good they are when they're at their peak. The way that most people will say this is, oh, when I'm motivated, I'm really good. Yes, you are. But what has the biggest impact is when you are unmotivated, mm. whatever the fuck that means. To us, though, it means it's your valley. Your valley is so deep, it undermines and kind of undoes what you've done at your peak. I completely agree with everything you've just said. The question then that I will follow up that with is... Would you also say, though, that peaks are really important for a lot of people because goal setting is such a – is a lot of people have goal setting completely off. So they'll do things for the sake of doing it. They don't actually have a goal. You know, they'll just decide they're going to do this for a month. Why are you doing that? don't know. just felt like it. Would you say, though, in that sort of context that the peaks are also really important for a lot of people because they really need to understand proper goal setting? I don't think peaks are anywhere near as important as valleys because mm. I know, just from my, this is my, my opinion, I'm yet to meet anyone in this, in, in this line of work over a long time now where I can say to them, your best isn't good enough. Yeah. Actually, it fucking is. Yeah. Everyone's capable of really great things and extending beyond themselves. Mm. And I, like I said, I'm yet to meet anyone where it's like, oh, fuck, you at your best is just not getting it done. <laughs> it's, not, it's never that. No. It's always the other side of the coin. Yeah. It's their bottom line. And most people's bottom lines are so bad and so self-destructive, it just undoes what, what the previous couple of weeks or couple of days were, mm. you know? Classic example, real classic example might be, oh, well, you know what? I'm really, really good from Monday to Friday. <laughs> but when the weekend comes, oh, I just binge and boom, away you go and you wipe the whole week out. That's a classic example of it. 
Another one can be where someone goes and pushes themselves to leave their comfort zone and they start to make some really good improvements over, say, two months, three months. Then the next four months, they go missing Mm. and they drop off everything they've done for the last two months. Mm. That's a valley, a, a real deep one that undoes the peak. That answer your question of why I just completely dodged it. No, no, it definitely answers the question. So, so the ones that have a lot of success are constantly seeking improvement, but they are also regularly looking to raise their bottom line. Mm. So, if the more you can narrow the gap yeah. between your best and your worst, as in raising your worst, you kind of become unbeatable. Because I'll use myself as an example. No matter how shit a day I might have, or how unmotivated I might feel and it happens more than you think I'm still going to get a certain amount of things done Mm. to keep my life ticking over with my side of our work to keep it ticking over it's all going to get done no matter what some days and some weeks I'm just fucking superhuman but it's not all the time no so when I'm not superhuman though I don't drop off and just do fucking nothing Mm. yeah yeah I think that you you really hit the nail on the head when you said you you you're improving the the distance between I'm narrowing the gap the the peaks and the valleys yeah I'm narrowing the gap yeah uh, and I'm narrowing it by approaching it the valley not the peak yeah yeah okay next one they play the long game mm. so they understand that planting the seed of your fruit tree doesn't mean you're eating the fruit tomorrow yeah and this is a, I, I sort of hinted at it before when I said about people that set some goals for themselves, like, you know, 12 months from now, I want to be four dress sizes smaller. Like, that's great, fantastic. What happens after that? Mm. So we've spoken about, you know, there's no finish line to this. The successful ones understand there's no finish line to this, that it, it needs to be, honestly, this is a rest of your life thing. And by rest of your life thing, I don't mean oh, I've got to work with a trainer for the rest of my life. No, you fucking don't Mm. at all. The lifestyle that you are building for yourself, the habits and the routines, this this needs to be be your normal. Mm. And that's a key thing for us that makes it seem easy for Courtney and I is, is we're so consistent though because it's normal to us. It'd be abnormal now for us to miss training sessions. Mm. Or if one of us one day just went, you know what, fuck going to the fucking supermarket, fuck this food prep shit, let's just go Uber Eats for a week. Like if I said that to you, Courtney, you'd, you'd probably pass out. Yes. Like where the fuck's my husband gone? Yes. But it'd be the same vice versa. Mm. Like Courtney whinges to me all the time about workouts. Oh, I've got to fucking do this and I've got to fucking do that. But she still does it because it's become normal. Mm. So the really successful PT clients, they don't think of this in terms of four weeks or six weeks or 12 weeks or even 12 months. They think, righto, who's the person I want to be? What has to be done to become that person? And then what has to be done to sustain being that person, if not improve upon that? Mm. So we talk about playing the long game. Anything you'd like to add? No, I I think think that really hit the nail on the head. I think... I think that most of it just comes down to 
really seeing it long-term as in balance. And I know people talk about, oh, I live a balanced lifestyle and blah, 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 blah. But I think when you really look at it, though, it is a balance of a lifestyle. And I'm mm. not talking about, though, I think when most people refer to that, they're talking about a day-to-day or a week style. Mm-hmm. But I'm more talking about a lifelong style of living. It has to be in balance and you have to look at it more in when you think of that phrase, a balanced lifestyle, you have to think about it over like a 50-year time frame. Ooh. It's not like a 24 hours, seven days time mm. frame. To me, when I hear balanced lifestyle, it's long, long term. So it's talking about, you know, you, you're thinking about, yes, you're still going to be able to go out for your dinners and, and you're still going to go on your holidays and you're still going to have days where you don't, you know, eat the way that you usually would and that sort of thing. But you overall, you have a routine and a pattern that's going to stick. Yep, I like that. And a question for you, when when you and I first met, were you thinking long-term back then? Were you thinking short-term, honestly? Oh, I think you, you always think long-term, but in, in my long-term back then, it wouldn't have been like 50 years. Mm-hmm. It would have been like two years. And then... I wouldn't have to th- – like I think a lot of people and I made the mistake at the start is you know it's going to take a long time to get results yep. but you never think beyond the results. So you think that once you hit the results, then for some reason you just think in your mind that your body's just going to stay that way. Was that you? Yeah. I never I never even thought about it. It was never even would have entered my mind like what happens after I hit my goal. It was only – I know getting to my goal is going to take a long time. I was prepared for that long term, mm-hmm. but it was never entered my mind that I would have to, that it would just be, it would just continue that way. Was it a case of you You just thought you could stop and keep what you got or you didn't think of what you had to do to keep it going? Both. Really? Yeah, both. I wouldn't say I was sort of thought like, oh, I can just go back to eating McDonald's and I know I'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like that. Yep. It just never crossed my mind to think like this is a st- this is a lifestyle that you're going to be building to sustain you until you die. You, you, ooh, I like that. So you, you just didn't think past your initial goal. No. Okay. Which is normal, isn't it? Yeah. But also, honestly, it needs to be changed. Yeah, I had no follow-up goals whatsoever. I had no no thinking in my mind of what do I want once I reach this goal. I had no concept that that was even important. Yep. It was just I want to do this and I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, I know it's going to take a long time. Yeah, that's, I know it's going to take 12 months. Lip service. Like I know. Yep. Um, but then after that, and that's where I did have a, a, a few years of, of problems there, because I really had no other goal. I had nothing else to strive for. Mm. And I I hadn't done it this consistently long enough to have built it into my lifestyle to the point where it had got to the point, as you say, Matt, now where I don't want to work out, but I'll do it anyway. Mm. But at the start, I hadn't built that in yet. So that was where my roller coaster for a couple of years there did come in because I didn't have another goal. And I hadn't built the fundamentals. The foundations weren't ingrained enough to sustain me. Question for you. If we could get a DeLorean <laughs> that hits 88 miles an hour mm. and you went back in time to yourself just before you started this, what advice would you give 
in terms of that specific type of mindset, what would you say? I The advice I would give would be to think about my goals, truly th- think more long-term about my goals, not short-term in terms of what do I want to look like in, in the next 12 months. Um, I'd be thinking definitely more long-term and I'd be also trying to tell myself that every lesson that I learn, every every um, habit that I build, mm. you need to be thinking not like I think I was stuck too much in the this is the habit that I'm going to change for 12 months. Oh. And you need to be thinking of this is a habit that's going to sustain you for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I'd had that sort of mindset at the beginning, um, it, it who knows? In, in my roller coaster few years that I had there might have still happened, but I think that I would have been a little bit more at least prepared for it. Well said. All right. Next one. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next trait of a successful PT client is they work hard to build consistency and routine. Mm. So I want to start this by saying there is a massive gap between what you know and what you do. Mm. Now, this is a whole point about doing. So it's, it's one thing to have, have the words, oh, I want to lose weight, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, okay, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Mm. So the best ones do take action, but they then take action to build those two key things, consistency and routine. And I can't under, undersell, sorry, I can't undersell the importance of consistency. Because mm. consistency is make or break when it comes to this. Generally what fucks people up is that they just keep stopping. Mm. The good ones, no matter how hard it gets, whatever the bumps are in the road, they keep showing up. And they build consistency to the point where it feels normal. Mm. And they build a routine up to the point where it feels normal. Which is what I said before in terms of, say, with Courtney and I, if one of us suggested let's skip our workouts this week or let's skip our food prep, that would be abnormal. Mm. That would just feel weird. But it wasn't like that at the start, was it? No. But it's something you need to strive towards. Mm. And that sort of sort of ties into what you said before, Courtney, about this has to be not the next, say, 12 months for your 12-month goal. This is the rest of your life proposition. Mm. And that consistency pays off. Now, it's not – I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy because it's not. I'd be lying if I said that. But you have to have, have in, the, in your mind, this is what I'm working towards. Mm. And I understand that, you know, some days I'm not going to feel like I've got it. I'm not going to feel like I'm at my best. Or, quite frankly – I couldn't be asked doing this today. But they do it anyway. They do the things they need to do even when they don't necessarily want to do them because that feeling is normal. I know for me, I think I'm, I won't you know, give myself a massive pat on the back, but I think I'm one of the most driven people I know. Yes. And I, I definitely would consider myself a self-starter. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, some days I just don't fucking want to. No. I just don't want this this adulting thing too fucking hard, mate. Mm. Where's my PlayStation controller? Where's my Xbox controller? What's on Netflix this week? Like yeah. I, I'm no different to you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's just that when those days hit, 
still getting it done. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And, I mean, I think that one relates a lot back to the peaks and valleys. Yeah. That, you know, you, you're constantly looking um, and seeking improvement in everything that you do, the good and the bad, you're always seeking improvement. Yep. And with that, we'll, we'll build consistency and routine. Yep. All right. Let's flip this one over. Yeah. Let's have a discussion about the common traits of unsuccessful PT clients because I do want to say, and I'll be fully transparent about this, Courtney and I have worked with a lot of people over a long time now. I am comfortable saying we've had more people not reach their goals with us than do reach their goals with us. Yeah. You know what? You might think, oh, why would they be admitting that? Because that's how it is industry-wide. That's why you have a, a weight loss industry worth billions and billions of dollars and most people don't fucking change. Now, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, it's because they're shit clients. No. Or because we're shit trainers. Not the case either. But there's certain things that the ones that don't reach their goals tend to have in common. And we had to learn this through experience. Mm. So shall we? Yeah. Okay. The first trait of the unsuccessful PT client, unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. Now, by that I mean in terms of how hard this is, the challenges that, are on, that you'll face along the way, or the, the time frame you're attaching to this and not thinking long-term. So an, unrealis an unrealistic expectation could be, oh, well, I've got, I've got 12 months to lose six dress sizes and I'll do it without a bump in the road. It'll just be a straight shot, no dramas. Like that is false. Mm -hmm. That's as false as it gets. Another unrealistic expectation can be, oh, well, you know, I've battled with abusing myself through poor food, no exercise, negative self-talk for 15, 20, 25 plus years, but I think I can fix this all in six months. Unrealistic? Yes. Which I think as well ties into what you were talking about before, Courtney, when you first started, not thinking past your first long, 12 long months. Term. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's unrealistic expectations that you had there? Oh, yeah. Did you think to yourself that it would be hard? Yeah, but again, I think you can say that. Yeah. Often you'll say it. And I remember having a conversation with you about how it was going to be difficult, how it's going to take a long time. And, and acknowledging, yep, I know, yep, I'm ready. But <laughs> you can say it often. And this is where, you say, as you say, yeah, we've got a lot of people that haven't, you know, quite reached their goal that have worked with us because there's so many factors that come into it, you know. It, you've got people that like this that will have unrealistic expectations but they'll say the right things. You know, and I think that that's where I would come into it, where it like the front of my mind, I accepted it, and I would say that I've accepted it, but the back of my mind, I just really hadn't. Were you lying to yourself? Yeah, yeah, and and that's where you can't, 
you, you can't know that, I think, sometimes until you're in it. Um, so that's, that's very fair. I think that that's, that, that happens a lot. I mean, we've seen it happen just with, with, with people's goal setting, mm. you know. Um, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll get into that, But, yeah, yeah I think definitely unexpected. Unrealistic expectations, where sometimes it can come down to you, you say the right things and you think you've accepted it, but you just deep down you really haven't. And then the first time that you're challenged, that's when you really get found out with that. Well, we talk about the adversity muscle; mm. it's the most important one in the body. And when it's time to flex it, you know what you're made of. Mm. So, I think this might be a combination of unrealistic expectations, but also how you handle bumps in the road. Yeah. How do you face up to a challenge? Because very often when shit gets hard, that, that's when you find out what someone's made of. Well, that's where, the, that's where the unrealistic expectations really comes into it. Mm-hmm. So the first time you hit a bump in the road where you, you take progress photos and, and you haven't made the progress that you wanted to make, yep. that's where you'll start to see some unrealistic expectations start to flare up or it's the constant mistakes or it's the inability to create a new habit, or it's the picking and choosing what parts of the process that you want to really um, well, we're getting to that one. follow. That's coming. That, that Those things, and you're right, as soon as you have a bump in the road, mm. that's when you'll truly see the unrealistic expectations come out. This is also why, personally, I'm actually very, very rarely impressed by how someone does when they have a, a good day or a good week, because that's actually kind of easy. I'm more impressed by how they respond to a challenge or how they respond to not getting what they want mm. when they want. That to me shows you what someone's really got, what sort of ticket they've actually got. Yeah. So yeah, if your if, if your expectations are are off the mark, you kind of setting yourself up for failure from the outset because you quite probably never had a chance to in the first place. Mm. And it's one thing that you and I are very mindful of is we have no problem telling people like, hey, what you're thinking there, that's not going to work. Mm. Up to you to believe us. Yeah. Um, but we owe it to you to tell you that. Yep. Uh, the next one relates to goal setting in terms of they're doing this out of what they think they need to do rather than what they want to do. Mm. This is where with goal setting, the word need is kind of a red flag to us. So I need to lose weight. I need to be healthy. I need this. I need that. Who fucking cares what you need? We all, Everyone knows what people need. We need to exercise. We need to look after ourselves and, and eat less shit. You know what I mean? I do. What do you want to do is the better question. I, I think that I just realized something as you're explaining that, Matt, where I think that the best way to to really look at it when you're doing your goal setting is if you write something down that requires a follow-up question, it's not the right thing to be written down. Elaborate. So if you say, I need to lose weight, the follow-up question is why? Or I need to do the X, why? Why do you need to do that? It's a follow-up question. There's actually two follow-up questions to that. The first one is why. The second one is what do you want it to do? So... Exactly. So realistically, when you're talking about goal setting and you're talking about, you know, what you want to get out of it, it should be a statement. It shouldn't mm. be a question. Mm. So if you're leaving your st- the statement open for questions, then it's not a statement. You need to make a statement 
So it's so it's it's not negotiable. It's not up for debate. It's not up for questioning. This is what I want. Now, what you want, that's completely up to you. Yeah, that's where there's no right or wrong, isn't no. there? No. Yeah. It, it, it's not, you know, this is, this is your vision statement for your life. This yeah. is what you want. Our job is to help you be on the path to getting that, but you've, you've got to tell us what you want. But if you're writing your own vision statement for your life that then requires follow-up questions, it's not strong enough. Well, also, if it's just based on need, and this is something that, like as I think you've you've spoken about this before yourself, Courtney, you can fall into a trap where you think this is what I need to achieve. This is what I need to work towards. And this is where a lot of trainers fuck themselves up because they think, well, as a trainer, I need to achieve this or I need to do that. Yet if you don't want to do that, you're not going to fucking do that. No. I think that – and you're not going to do it well. Mm. So mm. Um, I think – We've spoken, as you say, Matt, we've spoken about it a lot in the past and I think that this comes in to a lot of the noise around weight loss as well Ooh. when we hear a lot of people saying what they what they should be doing mm. or what they need to do. Well, a lot of that then comes down to as well, it, it's about noise and it's about because someone told them that they should do it yeah. or, or society says that you shouldn't be that size. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, quite, quite frankly, what you think you need to do doesn't, doesn't count. It doesn't mean shit to us. And it's also taking the ownership back off yourself. If you can't mm. own your own goal and say, this is what I want, then it's not going to mean enough to you to achieve it. Sometimes as well, though, this can also come from... I've, I've spoken to people that have felt bad about having vanity-based oh, goals. Yes. So, yes. you know, I don't want to say that, honestly, my goal is I just want to look hot because apparently that's a wrong goal. So they might mask that by saying, oh, you know, I need to be healthy or I want to be fit. And like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. When there, when there can sometimes be that trepidation of, oh, look, quite honestly, I just want to look good naked, but it's not the right thing to say. Yeah. Actually, it fucking is the right thing to say. Yeah. It's, it's worrying about that judgment that you're going to get because of your mm. goal. And, that's, and you're totally right. That's also wrong because if you can't own up to it and say, this is what I want – then it's going to be really hard to achieve. So you mm. have to take that fear of judgment away. Yeah. And if anybody judges you for your goals, oh, a fuck with. then they shouldn't have been in your circle anyway. Yeah. Yep, total so, fuckwit. See you later. So you have to sort of learn to have that that backbone. Um, and, I mean, it is hard. I wasn't always so firm on this is what I want either. Mm. So I'm not sitting here saying – you know, you should always be firm. I wasn't like this, but I've learned over time that this is the way you need to be. You need to be bullish with your own goals because no one else is going to be bullish for you. We we talk about that it's okay to have vanity-based goals. I will just say I personally would be shocked if deep down that wasn't someone's goal, was just, hey, you know what? I want to feel better about what I see in the mirror and I want to feel better about, you know, how I fill out my clothes. Like I know deep down, like 9 million people out of 9 million and one people, that's their goal. Most people, that's their goal. Yep, it is. And it's whatever size giving, that is, giving, that's up to you. I agree. But, but the, the issue isn't so much that it's, it's not a good goal to have. It's just that there can be fear in giving voice to it. Yeah. So this is where we talk about need versus want. What you need does not matter. What you want is everything mm -hmm. because then if 
you take Courtney and I, if we know what you want and deep down it's really what you want and why you know, it's so important to you and why, okay, we can help design the path for you to go and get that. Mm. But it makes it so much harder if you're doing what you think you need to do. Because mm-hmm. there's no there's no real emotional investment then, is there? There's no. no you need to have a bit of passion for why like why do you want to achieve what you want to achieve? If there's no passion and sort of emotional connection and investment there, it just takes what is already a very, very difficult task and makes it pretty much impossible. And I will say that this goes for both men and women. Absolutely. So men also, as you say, like you know, Matt, men want to look good. Humans want to look and good. <laughs> there's also, I think that there's a there's a sort of a brush off. I think often for males where it comes like, oh, I just want to be strong, or you know, oh, I just want to you know um, get rid of my back pain, or do you just want to look better? It's okay just to say, I want to look better. I find it a refreshing um, or a breath of fresh air when someone just says, you know what, honestly, I just want to look hot. Yeah. Okay. Cool. High five. No dramas. Let's because go. I'll tell you, my goal is and always will be to look better. Yeah, man. And your goal, Matt? I just want to look good naked. There you go. It's not really that difficult. No. But, but we also had to learn this over time. Yeah. You know, so, okay. Next one. Uh, we touched on it before, so we won't need to get too deep into it, but they pick and choose parts of the process that suit them. Mm-hmm. So I said it before, I'll say it again. The classic example is, oh, well, I'm really good with my workouts, but oh, I'm shit at the food thing. Like That is a classic example of like, hey, yeah, you can train as much as you want. If you're winging it when you're not training, you ain't going far. It's not only, I think, just the picking and choosing the parts of the process that suit them. It's then convincing themselves that they'll still be able to achieve it by oh, missing yeah. out on those parts. I am so glad you said that. It's like, oh, well, Matt and Courtney have asked me to do this. I don't need to do that. If you didn't need to fucking do it, we wouldn't fucking ask you to do it. Or it's, I don't need to get better at food prep. I've got a basic, I've got, I do it basically, but, you know, I'm great at my workout, so it sort of balances out. Lies. It Lies. doesn't balance out. So You are, you are lying. <laughs> that, that's fine. If you want to pick and choose the process... But you can then pick and choose the results you're going to get. Ooh, ooh, that'll be a meme later on. Uh, but also, it can be not just necessarily picking and choosing, but avoiding the things that seem hard and uncomfortable. Hard and uncomfortable. Except the funny thing is, the things that seem the most hard and the most uncomfortable are probably the things that will do you the most good. Yes. Because I know from from my experience, like. The, 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 major, the overwhelming majority of people, there's no issue getting them to do their workouts. No. For most people. Is, is the most hard, is that an actual sentence? The most hard? Yes. Are you sure? Oh, 100%. Okay. Not the slightest, I don't care. Anyway. No fucks given. Nailed it. Next one. Okay. The next trait of unsuccessful PT clients is they are unwilling to learn from mistakes and keep fucking repeating them. <laughs> Not that it annoys you or anything. Not at all. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> um, this, this one, you know, basically comes back to me. It's, it's about not only about seeking constant improvement and what you said earlier, Matt, about peaks and valleys, mm. but it's also coming back to that coachable. You have to be coachable. 
So you have to be willing to learn from the mistakes. You have to be willing to admit them. You have to be willing to be coached through them and you have to be seeking improvement. Can you do me a favour, Courtney? Could you please read out the framed sign sitting above my head on our office wall here? It says, forget the mistake, remember the lesson. So here's the deal. If you make a mistake, that is normal. And it is a, it is a, it is a necessary part of change mm-hmm. and improvement potential improvement and progress. If you repeat your mistakes, you are the problem. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes. Anything else we need to say here? I don't think so. If you keep repeating the same mistakes, you ain't going to go far. It is as simple as that. And that's where, like I said, you are the problem. The next one, I use the term here, blame shifting. Mm. So this is a, a discussion about avoiding responsibility. So classic example, uh, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's my kids, I haven't got the time, I'm too busy, it doesn't fit my lifestyle. Like, you know what? Fuck you. It's your fault. <laughs> you are the reason you look like shit. You are the reason you feel like shit. You are the reason you are unhappy with yourself and your life. Fucking own it. Boom. Wow. Get with me. Yep. There's something I can add to that. Um, you want to you attempt to add something or just move on and just leave it at that? Well. Because honestly, like that is how I feel about that. Like yeah. own your fucking shit. To me, there's nothing worse than if you see someone who is clearly their own worst enemy and they don't fully own it. Yeah. And I, I, I think you have to, if, if you're blame shifting, you really have to look at what the problem is. Is it that you can't... It's the fucking mirror. You are the problem. You can't, obviously you can't admit it to yourself, which mm. is a really big problem. You can't, you can't get past that, can you? Like if you, if you can't admit that to yourself, no. like you, you aren't going to go anywhere. It, it, it goes beyond just the being open and vulnerable enough to admit your mistakes, which is what we discussed in the first part of this episode. Mm. It goes beyond that because you need to be open and vulnerable and you need to have trust in your coach or your PT to be able to go to them and, and explain what's happening and to come up with a plan to move forward. But if you can't even own it to yourself, then you can't even reach that part. So yeah. if you can't reach that part, then you're paying for a coach for no reason. You may as well take your money. Set it on fire and then pee on it. Well, I wouldn't have said it like that, but yes, the premise is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. The next trait in unsuccessful clients. <laughs> yep. You okay? <laughs> yep. What's up? <laughs> okay. So you're laughing over nothing. Just, uh, you like it when I get <laughs> shitty, don't you? I just wonder what goes through your head to come up with some of these images. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I love to entertain my wife. <laughs> love. I'm glad I could today. It's good. You just can't stop it, set it on fire. Like you just couldn't stop there. <laughs> I wasn't the pee on it part, was it? You had to just add that extra layer. Right. 
if, you, if you're going to go in, you go all in, all right? <laughs> okay, I'm back. We almost had the infamous Courtney laugh on the podcast. If you haven't heard Courtney's real laugh, you are in for a treat. Greatest laugh of all time. And I'm not going to lie, most days I wake up, my Stop. mission is to hear Courtney's laugh because it just... It just fills me with joy. Stop. <laughs> it's a terrible laugh and I'm not going to do it. It is the laugh of laughs. Oh, what am I saying? What am I saying? Okay. So we've got past blame shifting and peeing on money that's on fire. <laughs> I win today. I win. So I'll let Courtney recover and I will move on to the next part because she's gone. My work here is done. I should just wrap this episode up. The next trait in unsuccessful PT clients, they disconnect from the process. So take your time, Courtney. Take your time. What do I mean by they disconnect from the process? Well, they might be doing well for a while and then they stop. And that is the fucking worst thing you can do is fucking stop, mate. Don't fucking stop. I'm, I'm really on edge here. You're really just going, I'm, about to, I'm about to flip my shit. How long have we been going for? We've, we've maybe been going for too long. You've just really lost. We're still under an hour. And I've just flipped my shit. Anyway, they stop. So i got this. They may stop being accountable. They may stop their workouts. Like, oh, oh, fuck it. I'm taking this week off. You know? Or in the case of um, Courtney and I, we, we work very hard to surround our clients with a support network. So it's not just they've got the support of, of Courtney and I, it's the support of the other people that we're working with and they just completely go missing. You're close, aren't you? You're right there. I've totally just done you in. So they, so they disconnect from their support network. Now, the more you disconnect from the process, the further you sort of mentally and emotionally move away from your goals. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Are you able to contribute to this? Um, um, I, I actually don't know what else even beyond this. I, I don't know what else. I can, can, can contribute to this. Um, I think as well this is not only do you, do you feel like disconnecting from the process comes from where they're picking and choosing the part of the process that makes them feel uncomfortable. I'll tell you something. That's a good question because I think the answer is very multifaceted. Okay. I am just in the zone today, right? I'm there. More hard, yep. (laughs) Now you got me, fuck yeah. More hard. Thank you for staying with us this long. We really appreciate it. Uh, In terms of why they disconnect, you know what? It can be, there could be a number of of reasons. It could be, honestly, just good old-fashioned fuck it moments. Mm. So, oh, fuck it. 
it's not working, I'm not changing, I may as well not do any of it. Or it could be stress, bad day. Unrealistic expectations. Yes, well, that comes from it's not working. Uh, But yes, absolutely. Stress, as in like, you know, bad day at work. Argument with your partner. Or the kids are making you go Mm bye-bye in terms of losing your shit. What we need to do is look at what is the cause. Why is someone disconnecting from the process? Because we know when someone comes to work with a PT or a coach, the goal is not to sign up and do nothing. That's never the goal. So to me, there's almost part of the habit loop at play here. So there's a trigger, Mm. which we need to identify what the trigger is. Because we know the routine is to go missing, disconnect, stop, whatever it is. We've got to identify what the trigger is. And that's an individual thing and it requires, shockingly enough, communication, discussion with your trainer or your coach, like, hey, I've gone missing or I'm struggling with these particular aspects. Okay, let's let's break this down and look at why. Because mm-hmm. you can't expect the client to be able to pick it all the time because they're in it and it's very emotional. And the more emotions in a situation, it's like it just becomes hard to use common sense. And that's why we have people working with us and helping us mm-hmm. because they see things objectively. So to answer your question, like I said, Courtney, in terms of why do they disconnect from the process, honestly, mate, fuck if I know. It's, a, it's an individual case-by-case basis that you need to figure out what's causing it. From there, once you know what's causing it, you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We're almost there. Hang in there, bro. We got this. <clears throat> Righto. Last one. The last trait of unsuccessful PT clients. False accountability. Courtney, what the fuck does false accountability mean? Well, this is the direct opposite of owning your shit, which is what we spoke about in the early parts of this episode. So false accountability is not... not providing your coach or not even admitting to yourself, refusing to admit to anyone the mistakes you're making. So putting in your accountability for the week, maybe you're, you're, you're recording your food and you're recording it incorrectly. Choosing to, that is, I should yes. say. So not just necessarily recording it incorrectly, but recording it, well, actually, you know what? It is recording incorrectly. You're choosing, I was going to say inaccurately. It's the same yeah. fucking word. You're choosing to leave out certain things and yes, most of the time omitting. most of the time this is done on purpose now granted sometimes things like that can be done not on purpose but it's because you're recording your food wrong you're you're trying to remember at the end of the week what you've eaten for the entire week and you're never going to do that but often as well what happens with false accountability is that you get to the you, you're you're recording your meal and you don't really want to put down that you had that Okay, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because there is definitely a difference in terms of okay, how are you recording what you're doing? Yeah. So, okay, there's a two-part discussion here. So the first part is if you are recording what you're doing for your trainer and you're waiting until the end of the week to record the last 7 days, you have got technical term no fucking chance in hell. No. 
of remembering accurately. I would go as far as to say, if you are waiting till the end of the day to record what you did that day, you also have no fucking chance in hell of accurately remembering. No. The way that we recommend, as far as accountability goes with our clients, is to do what we call real time. So, what do I mean by real time? I sit down, I'm having my meal. Before the meal is finished, as in before I move on to whatever I'm doing next, I'm going to record on the spot what I just had and what the actual time is. Mm-hmm. What I'm referring to in this example of false accountability is where you'll, you'll have people that will tell their trainer or their coach what they think they want them to tell them. Now, I'll give a really plain black and white example of what I'm talking about here and why this can be so damaging. I've worked with a person, name will be withheld because I'm not a dickhead like that. I've worked with a person who used to send through seven-day meal records. So the seven-day meal record is a task that our program asks clients to do where they record what they're eating, they record their training, they tell us what they've been doing for seven days. This client would send through seven-day meal records that were better than mine. And I'm talking about 100, whatever the fuck this means, 100% compliancy. So they didn't make a single quote-unquote mistake all week. Everything was in line. They would eat at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m. No human eats like that. I'll just start with that. And what they ate was so good, like I said, better than me over the course of seven days. Now, these records would come through like this consistently, week after week, month after month. Now, You get to week 12. What happens at week 12, Courtney? Progress photos. Okay. The photos showed this person got fatter. Now, I'll be honest about this. Red flag number one, your meal record is better than your trainer's. Red flag number two, if you were really doing that well, why would you put on weight? And I mean, I think what this one just highlights really is, again, it's an inability to admit faults and and mistakes. And it's also um, probably a bit of unrealistic expectations um, from what you feel like your trainer is expecting from you and what you should be expecting from yourself. It can also be um, a fear of judgment. Yes. Which really, I've got to be honest, it misses the point because the thing is, if if someone's habits were that good, well, why would you need help in the first place? Or why would you ask for help in the first place? Yeah. And the thing is, if you are going to someone for help and you've got you've you found it in you to trust them enough to ask for help, you really need to take the next step to find it in you to trust them enough to not judge you mm-hmm. for your mistakes and to understand that like if they're if they're a trainer that's actually been doing this for longer than 10 minutes. They know you make mistakes because guess what? You're a human. Yeah. 
we all make mistakes. Yep. You know, so but 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 this false accountability in terms of telling your trainer what you think they want you to tell them helps no one. No. And as you just said there, Matt, there's lack of trust there. So you've really got to look at yourself and say, Am I doing this because I don't want to I don't want to admit to myself what I'm doing? Or do I not trust this trainer in terms of giving me proper feedback? And then you really have to look at it and you have to say, Okay, am I am I have do I have the right goals here or do I have the wrong trainer? Yeah. Nailed it, bro. Um, oh, 100%. <laughs> and I think that that's a wrap for this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're done. That is That was the last point. So we are, before this goes even more sideways, she's about to go again. <sighs> we, we'll we'll uh, bring this one to a close. So we really appreciate you. If you're listening to this now, thank you <laughs> from the bottom of our hearts for listening to two dickheads start off really, really good yeah. and then just we fucking crashed <laughs> the that. The valley was just not the valley, on point today. Mate, the fucking car went off the cliff. Thank you for bearing with us. This this is a true insight into the life of Matt and Courtney where we can have a really good discussion and just all of a sudden out of nowhere it just turns to shit. <laughs> Normally it's Courtney's fault but today it was mine. <laughs> That's a joke. No, it's my fault. It's definitely usually your fault, most hard. So thank you. <laughs> you call me most hard. Most hard. Is that what you said earlier? Most hard. That's my porn star name, but uh, we'll just leave that one to the side. So we're hoping you got something out of this. Uh, and thank you for bearing with us. Season four will continue. So, Courtney, let's wrap this up by saying. That if you aren't sick of us yet, come and join our pod, uh, our podcast. Come and join our Facebook group. You know what though? Two good bits of advice there. Yes, please come and join our podcast. Our Facebook group. You can find. Um, will there be a link in the in the in the um, podcast app? Is that what you usually say, Matt? This is usually your part. I don't know what you. Yes. Yes, there'll be a link in your podcast app. You can join our Facebook page. Yeah, come hang out with Courtney and I and other fans of the show because, uh, yeah, mate, I'm not going to lie, best Facebook group in the world. Yes. And with no bias do I say that. No. At all. You're really close. Oh, gosh. Um. If you're keen and you want to support the show and you like what we do, Go and treat yourself to a bit of podcast swag over at theweightlosspodcast.com forward slash shop. You need to get yourself a oh, 100%. beanie. A beanie that just says. Oh, 100%. <laughs> or a pair of socks with our fucking faces on them, <laughs> which is still my favorite. Or the meal prep expert dot 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 in training apron. Which I do wear. Which you do wear. Yes, when I cook. Which you model. Um, I think that's it. We're done. Put a fork in us. <laughs> this steak is overcooked. Thank you for joining us. We will see you soon. Welcome Bye. to the wheat I just pressed the wrong button. I just played the intro out of the show. Okay. Put a fork in us. We're done. Thank you for listening to us. 
hope you got a lot out of this because we are fucked. Wow. So Shows you that we really just don't edit these at all, do we? Bye what, for now. What you get. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.